Welcome to EdView 360. Having been an English learner myself, I go back and think about how difficult English is. The good is that there are skills that are transferred from one's native language to English. But at the same time, there's a lot of uh, skills that don't transfer. And if they do transfer, they transfer incorrectly. Teachers of English learners must be masterful. They must understand how language works. We cannot leave it up to chance and we cannot leave it to the child inferring uh, how English works because it, it probably will not happen. You just heard reading consultant, award-winning educator, and letters instructor, Dr. Antonio Fierro. Dr. Fierro is our guest today on EdView 360. Here's your host, Pam Austin. This is Pam Austin. Welcome back to the EdView 360 podcast series. We are so excited to have you back with us. I'm conducting today's podcast from my native New Orleans, channeling the heart of Voyager Sopus Learning in Dallas, Texas. Today, we are honored to have with us Dr. Antonio Fierro, reading consultant, award-winning educator, and letters instructor. Welcome, Antonio. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. How much do I owe you for that introduction? That's like super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Free of charge. It's just All because right. I like you. Uh, we good. are very pleased to have you with us today. You know, I have to let the audience know that I've crossed paths with Dr. Ferrero on many occasions. I've had the pleasure of being on the receiving end of Antonio's personal expertise and been privy to the impact of his work as a consultant for letters with teachers in many schools across across our great country here. You know, um, I Thank understand you that you have a great story to tell that <laughs> right, tells us how you I, became involved in education. Can you uh, share? Yeah, I, thank you, Pam. I'd, I'd love to, to share my story. I would have never dreamed that I'd be doing this uh, 25 years ago by, by any means. Um, I began my journey in, uh, in education. My, I actually started my undergrad work as an education major and took some classes in, in education and um, and but was talked out of it, to be honest with you, by friends and family. And, and um, so I also took some broadcasting classes. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I, I felt that education was going to be my thing, but everybody was saying, you should try something else. So I've actually graduated with a BBA in marketing and management. And this is where the story gets kind of interesting because right before I graduated, many of us received uh, letters by, from the Department of Justice uh, congratulating us on our upcoming um, graduation and and um, said that we were had high GPAs and uh, if we would consider a position or a job with the Department of Justice, but particularly in with the FBI, with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So I thought, wow, this is really this is very interesting. I think we I, I'd like to try it. Why not? Right. And I'm thinking, what are the chances? Right. Uh, I went in and I interviewed as a special a, a special agent slash linguist, and that's what they called us at the time, uh, which meant that uh, we went in uh, as an agent speaking another language, uh, and mine, of course, being Spanish. Um, and after about, uh, I guess, about almost three, three, maybe four years of interviewing and testing, I received uh, a call from the Department of Justice saying that I had been 
been assigned to my academy in Quantico. I needed to take one more physical uh, and it was going to be very easy. Just uh, blood pressure, uh, weight, uh, uh, nothing, nothing that was going to be extremely difficult at all. And what uh, I found out at that during that physical was that I was colorblind. Um, And so I see colors, but I see different shades. Uh, They're not probably as vivid as what everybody else sees. So anyway, I was still hired by the Department of Justice. I did still go to the academy, which was 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 very interesting, uh, a lot of fun. And but I was assigned to I had a choice of the CIA, Secret Service or Bureau of Prisons. And they all sounded kind of scary. Right. Uh, so I did though, ended, I ended up with the Bureau of Prisons. And so I was hired by them. I, uh, or went with, with the Bureau of Prisons prisons. I was a federal, I was a correctional officer for six months cause we all had to do training. So we knew how to defend ourselves. We knew how to, um, manage the prison. Uh, but I, my, my assignment was not in the, as a correctional officer, but I was in human resources. So, uh, worked in the business office. And one day the warden came up to me and said, officer Fierro, I was looking at your transcripts and I guess I had submitted them at some time. Um, and see that you have education courses under your belt. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And he asked if I would consider becoming a substitute teacher because the prison teacher was going to, I'll go out on maternity leave. So I said, well, why not? And in the federal system, I think it's a policy that not a law, I think it's policy that if the inmate comes in to the prison system without a high school diploma, he or she has to leave with a GED. And that's the real challenge. So I started teaching GED classes, but how can you teach uh, how to take those tests or the content that's going to be content that's going to be presented or yeah, it's going to be part of the test if the inmate cannot read. And that was the, that, that was it. That was my calling. I knew at that point in time that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I was going to be a teacher. I told all my friends, my family that I was going to go back to school and become a teacher. They thought I had lost it uh, because here I was a federal officer with the department of, of justice uh, in a good position that would allow me to move anywhere within the, the department. But I went back to school. I did get my teaching credentials. Now, I I must say that at this point in time that my teacher prep program dealt entirely with whole language methodology or whole language philosophy, which was, well, you know, there was a whole language philosophy isn't, there's nothing explicit about it. So, uh, but anyway, so that was my training. I do remember though, I have to tell this story. I do remember one college professor, actually my, my supervising professor who was watching us as we were taking care of us as we were doing our field study. She threatened us. Uh, this professor threatened us and said, if I go into your classrooms and I see you conducting a phonics lesson, you um, will, will fail my class. So oh, no. yeah, right. Mm. <laughs> right. Oh, oh my so God. Yeah, I know. I know. So um, yeah. So I did what I was told. I, I graduated. I had my teaching credentials and I left a, uh, I left the federal system, the, the prison on Friday. And I began my work with uh, an education uh, on Monday 
And um, I went from a very safe and happy place <laughs> working with inmates to working with three-year-olds on Monday. What was I thinking? <laughs> Good question. So you went from special agent educator to early childhood teacher. <laughs> with three-year-olds. Pam, I must have aged about two years in about two months. <laughs> yes. yes, I can see that. But uh, the interesting thing was that I had, of course, I also have my bilingual and ESL endorsements. So I was working with uh, English learners and um, and but that's what it, that's and that was meant to be. I, I fell in love with early childhood. I have spent most of my uh, in the classroom, spent most of my time either working with three year olds, kinder up to second grade. And then I did intervention in, in upper grades. But uh, when I had my class, it was it was always, always early childhood. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Yeah. 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 What a story. That is that an shocking. amazing story. Uh, you are one of a kind. And I am certain that we don't have very many special agent educators that right. went to early childhood. So you are right. unique. And you know what? Actually, that first year that I was uh, teaching three-year-olds, um, there was uh, a purpose, we call them. Uh, we had a man who walked into our school and stole um, a VCR. Can you believe that? I'm aging yes. myself, right? Okay. A VCR. <laughs> it was on a Friday afternoon. He runs out. I'm walking out of my room. My principal is yelling, he stole our VCR. And uh, I ran after him and... Uh, Caught him. And <laughs> so awesome. I, still had, I, had, I had all this training. I still had all this training under my belt. So uh, the police officers, when they got there, uh, scolded me that that was dangerous. And I told them, no, I knew what I was doing. If this would have happened, I would have done this, this and this. And they asked, how did you know that? I said, well, I was a federal agent with the Department of Justice. And uh, one of the officers said that, uh, do you want to work for the Dallas PD? <laughs> <laughs> I was awarded the citizen of the month and had lunch with the mayor. <laughs> that that is awesome. I love it. So, <laughs> but instead of venturing into um, the Dallas PD, right. you mm-hmm. became a letters trainer. Right. Tell me well, how that happened. Yeah. So I stayed in education, uh, classroom teacher. I mean, that's the best. If anyone asks for advice, I say that you have to uh, stay in the classroom, be in the classroom uh, as long as you can. Uh, and even if you step out of the classroom, you have to go back and, and teach what you are learning. And that's what I like to do as well. Uh, but so uh, if I fast forward, I became a um, uh, a, a coordinator, a reading director, actually, for one of the education service centers in Texas. We were going through the Texas Reading Initiative, and we were receiving wonderful. Actually, the, te- the Texas Reading Initiative is, is a precursor to Reading First. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, lots of fabulous training, and um, I was asked if I would uh, train or teach the material that was uh, reported uh, by the National Reading Panel that talked about the importance of phonemic awareness, phonics, vocabulary, fluency, and text comprehension. We were having these academies. Would I help teach this material? I said, yes. And they said, and we're going to uh, make sure that you get the best kind of learning that's out there, all the trainers who were, who were part of this cohort. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, I ran across this uh, article titled, <clears throat> um, 
teaching reading is rocket science. Mm-hmm. And it just made so much sense to me that I had not, I hadn't been properly prepared in my teacher prep program to understand the components of language. And I, I always question, tell me, I need to know all the steps, what goes into the teaching of reading. And when I started, started learning uh, the material um, that was being presented through the Texas Reading Academies um, and the Texas Reading Initiative, they also brought researchers to help teach us. And wouldn't you know it, that uh, this researcher who had um, um, authored Teaching Reading is Rocket Science, Dr. Louisa Motes was one of our instructors. Yes. And um, it was fabulous. So I got to learn from her, from Dr. Roland Good, Dr. Sharon Vaughn, um, Dr. Adams. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, and I just, I followed. Uh, Dr. Motes, and um, I became a groupie, <laughs> not a stalker, <laughs> but a groupie. And anytime she had any kind of sessions, any learning sessions, any kind of training, I was there. And she was just so, so open and so willing to help that uh, she said, if you have any questions, she would address all of us. If, you, if any of you have any questions, please email me, please call me. And guess what? <laughs> of course, I was emailing her and calling her. <laughs> and she's so, she was always so gracious and, and yeah. always responded and always took the time to teach me as well. And so I fast forward a, a few years later and I have learned, I learned a lot from her, from Dr. Carol Tolman, who was one of the original um, uh, letters trainers as well, uh, Judy Dotson. Um, who else? And and Whitney, uh, Mary Dahlgren. Oh my gosh! Uh, so many of of her colleagues who helped also uh, steer me in in the direction that I am now. And so, uh, fast forward just a tiny bit. She said, Antonio, why don't you um, why don't you join us? <laughs> and I said no. <laughs> I, I said, can't no, believe you believe said it. no. And I said no. No, yes. and it's it's and it was out of fear, and also I knew the caliber of the expertise of Louisa and Carol and Judy and Annie and Mary, and I'm wondering how in the world can I ever get to that level? And I still don't consider myself being at that level, but boy, uh, I have learned a lot from from Louisa, from all of my colleagues. And uh, here I am now, you know, 12 years later, um, I love what I do. Why? Because we are teaching the components of language. How does reading occur? How does reading acquired? So, and over and over and over again, Pam, I just, we all hear the same thing. Why didn't I learn this in college? Well, because if you had a professor like I had a professor who said, I'll fail you if yes. you do, if you see a phonics lesson. And I think that's another, that's probably now my last, my last chapter of my career that I want to do something for uh, teacher prep programs. And I've been uh, very lucky to have been part of the letters project that helped uh, steer Mississippi to this incredible growth uh, that was reported in November of 2019 oh, that uh, state of Mississippi saw the largest reading gains. And it was because of just uh, the, the focus, um, the collaboration of many professionals. But I'll tell you what was the underlying um, 
fabric there, the underlying thread was what the knowledge base that we taught from letters because letters was, was very obvious, was very evident uh, throughout throughout their six-year learning process. It took Mississippi six years. But anyway, uh, here I am and um, loving every minute of it. It feels like I don't go to work uh, right. because I love what I teach. <laughs> you love what you do and what an opportunity you've had. You know, you were definitely destined to be where you are, Antonio. Just an opportunity to interact with and learn from the expert. And guess what? Whether you believe it or not, you're one of those experts. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes. Right. Now, you, you mentioned the fact that you worked with English language learners. Can right. you tell us a little bit about your experience with teaching English language learners? Well, so uh, I have been now teaching uh, definitely over 25 years. And all those 25 years, I have been involved with working with English learners. Uh, so, and having been an English learner myself, um, I go back and think about how difficult English is. And even, can you imagine, I mean, English, especially, even if you're not an English learner, it's difficult, right? Can you imagine I once agree. being an English learner? <laughs> um, and what, what happened uh, in my situation as a young learner was that I had three teachers who were marvelous and who unraveled the mystery of English for me. And uh, because we need that, all children need that, but especially English learners need to understand how this language works uh, because we take the skill set from our native language and transfer many of those skills over to English. Now, that's good and bad. The good is that there are skills that are transferred from one's native language to English. But at the same time, there's a lot of what I call cognitive dissonance, right? I mean, there's a lot of uh, mm -hmm. skills that don't transfer. And if they do transfer, they transfer incorrectly. So, so the mysteries of English and how the English works, they, they have to be unraveled. They have to be explained. They have to be demystified. We cannot leave it up to chance and we cannot leave it to the child inferring uh, how English works because it, it probably will not happen. So that's what, to me, for to working for working with the English learners, not only ensuring that the child acquires language, because that's first and foremost, but the minute that we are perhaps at an early production to a speech emergent stage of language acquisition, that we begin working and know how to uh, begin teaching phonological awareness and decoding and so forth. So. Um there's something that you say that um, accountability lies with educators and not students. What do you mean by that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. That's that's true. The accountability lies with us. We are the professionals. We are the ones who must understand the different components of language. Um, and also, as far as working with English learners, these stages of language acquisition, I've always stated that <clears throat> we should have teachers who are kindergarten or in kindergarten or first grade, second grade teachers. These three grade levels, our teachers should be masters of linguistics. And I mean that in the sense of not that they have to know uh, other languages and know other other languages well, but 
a linguist knows a language and knows a language well. We need to be able to, like you said, Pam, explain why our language works the way it does, for one thing. The other thing is we need to be sensitive also to the areas of language acquisition and be able to promote language acquisition. What are we going to do in the classroom to ensure that the child gets leaves the silent stage early or quickly? All right. Do we provide a safe environment? How 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 do we promote their participation in activities and their participation in discussion so that they do move out of this silent period and start experimenting with the language? So getting back to your original question, the responsibility lies on us to understand all aspects of either how this language works, well, that's one, but also what are the levels and how does how does language, how is language acquired as well? So for our English learner, our teachers, teachers of English learners must be experts. Teachers of lang- language or English learners must be masterful. They must understand how language works and be able to promote that and support that with, with young children. Oh, I love the idea of being a linguistic genius, you know, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we need to, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Um, you talked about students being able to move out of that silent stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that goes back also thinking about it. Um, and we, we think about the science of reading and we think about how we teach the science of reading to our teachers. It is teachers understanding that science of reading that is definitely going to assist us as we teach our English learners. So, yes, for our English learners, it's very important, obviously, uh, for kids to acquire vocabulary and oral language. Yes. Uh, for them to comprehend. Absolutely. That's essential for all. I do want them to acquire vocabulary. Absolutely. I want them to acquire that oral language. But we also have to know how are we going to teach the phonology of English, for example. And how does that compare? Gosh, the more we know about the child's native language, the better off we are. Right. Right. We can make those um, parallels and connections mm-hmm. and understand which parts of the language doesn't exist in that right. language. Yeah. Right? Yes. What should um, English language learning teachers think about first and then next and next as they build those skills for their students? Right. Well, you know, first and foremost, we need to ensure that there is oral language and there is some vocabularies, which means that we need to make a connection to uh, the home environment. So uh, getting the assistance from from our uh, from parents, um, from extended family members is just so important. And um, I, I don't think that that anyone would argue about that. Uh, we gain so much information from from parents. Uh, we can give so much uh, uh, also some advice to parents as to what needs to, what they can do uh, at home to encourage uh, language acquisition. And you know what, if if uh, if there is no one at home who speaks English, that's OK. I want you to speak to them in your in, in the language of love, right, in the mm-hmm. language that they're hugged in and they're kissed in. The bottom line is that they have to have lots of lots of language um, interaction. So. Um, And of course, if there is an opportunity or the opportunities at home uh, exist for um, 
uh, more interactions in English than by all means, but not at the not at the expense of their native of their native tongue. So I want that participation. I want that help from from parents and families, and and they they must know that we're doing this we're doing this together. The more that we understand, also in this, especially uh, teachers of of English learners, how language is acquired. So as we're talking about perhaps early production. Uh, speech emergence, intermediate fluency, those levels, our teachers of English learners, they, they understand that. And how does how is, is language acquired? Unfortunately, Pam, here is my here's my concern that the training that many of our English that our teachers of English learners uh, go through has is still missing a lot of the science behind reading and that's what concerns me uh, that we are still yes we are about language uh, acquisition absolutely we are about vocabulary development no one's going to argue that but what i see a lot uh, in the uh, colleges that are still that are providing endorsements for teachers of english learners is that they're not diving deep enough into the science of reading and that is that is a crucial crucial component. And unfortunately, that still exists today, that we're just not prepared in the science of reading yet. And that is a, a very important component when, it, when we're talking about working with English learners. Right. So that means we still have all, you still have your work cut out for you, huh, Antonio? And as much <laughs> yeah. as I can. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked about teachers and educators and what they can do. Uh, what about district leaders? How, what can they do to help support the teachers of English language learners? Yeah. How do we take and, care of the teachers? Yeah. And actually, so this is probably a clock. This is, this is a, uh, an answer that I would provide across across the board, whether it's teachers of English learners or or teachers of general population, um, we have administrators who many are not trained in the area of reading acquisition or language acquisition, and rightly so. I mean, that's we you know we have many different fields or many different uh, areas of of interest uh, that that uh, accompany our our administrators. Um, so. I've always, I've always said, and this is where the dilemma uh, arises though, Pam, is that our administrators also need to be as well-versed as our teachers when it comes to all these areas of language acquisition and particularly the science of reading. I have been a part of so many initiatives um, at state levels, district levels, and they start falling apart because our administrators have not uh, we have not shared the information with administrators that we've shared with teachers. Now, I realize, I realize that uh, our school, our, our district administra- administrators have a lot of uh, responsibilities and have many things on their plate. Uh, but I think that providing the support is going to be absolutely essential from the lens of they know what to look for. They know how to provide additional feedback. But if if they themselves do not understand how language is acquired or, or the science of reading, they, they do not know what to look for. My ongoing um, 
concern and probably even gripe is that, again, going back to just like our teacher prep programs, when our administrators go back for their certification to become school administrators, that there has to be a heavier um, load, a heavier focus in their content area on these areas that are so essential. Again, this uh, reading and again, language acquisition. So um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, um, I could probably I can tell you that most of the principal certification programs have maybe one class that has to do with content and everything else has to do with law. Everything else has to do with, um, you know, climate. And I get that. I, I understand that. But if we have administrators coming into positions without the background, then they cannot provide the support. Okay. I wish we could we could do a better job. Um, and, and let me tell you, I'm not throwing them under the bus. I realize no. how much work they have to do. I realize that. And I was a district administrator as well. And it's so easy. It's so easy to lose focus. But um, if you do not have that, if you, if you do not own the, the, the background knowledge, it's going to be very difficult. Well, you know, there's truth in a statement that knowledge is power. Absolutely, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And you know what, Pam? I am right now. I am working uh, in New Mexico, uh, just a few minutes away from my home. I live in Texas, but uh, Southwest Texas, and I am in Gadsden, and I'm at the Gadsden Independent School District, and I had two days worth of of teaching uh, administrators last week. And let me tell you, it was just amazing. And they said, "No, no, no, I want." I don't don't go into much into systems. Yes. I know what I have in my in my district and I know what I have in my school. And I know about the data, the data banks and so forth. Teach us content. I was so impressed yes. that I had administrators, uh, a room full of administrators who wanted content. And let me tell you, by the end of the day, both days, they said, they said, we are exhausted. Yes. Uh, and I didn't even go deep into, into the areas that our teachers do, but you know, it was so much fun. And what was so enlightening for me was that they were saying, well, oh, now I know what to look for. Exactly. Oh, okay. Oh, so, you know, if they're clapping to the syllables, I know that it has to do something with phonological awareness and wow. And now we're going to be doing some phoning graphy mapping. It's like, really administrators talking the way because they have so much on their on their plate already but i applaud and i i applauded them and and absolutely i think this is the issue uh, the, the same we probably have the same type of outcome across the district or across the country really really um having having administrators uh not learn deep content but uh content that will help help support not only are teachers of English learners, but all all teachers. All right. We've been chatting for a while, but I've got one more question for you. All right. Now, finally, if you could wave a magic wand, just picture yourself with that wand in your hand, Antonio. (laughs) And if you could change anything in the world of education, what would you change and why? Oh, I think that magic wand is starting to already work. Um, and I'll tell you why, okay. uh, because there is this huge push and interest now uh, pertaining to the science of reading, all right, which is something that we had tried 
what was it, 10 years ago, 50, no, 20, almost 20 years ago, mm-hmm. when we were um, dealing with um, the national reading uh, or, or reading first at the national level. It's the same thing, but I just feel a very different sense of energy this time around, that it's, it's sticking. And we came, my colleagues and I, with the teaching of the language essentials that are presented in, in letters, I think we have definitely added to that energy, added to that enthusiasm. So the magic wand, um, is I think, is already being waved because now I see that people are starting to understand. Our field is finally starting to understand what the science of reading is all about. And here it is, Pam, the science of reading is evidence that we have acquired over the last almost 50 years using gold standard methodologies having to do with reading acquisition, reading instruction. That is wonderful. The science of reading is evidence. It's not philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's not belief. It's not an opinion. It's looking at what we know works. It's trusting that we are going to look at that accumulated years of research to inform the hows and whys of reading instruction. So I think the wand is already making, is, is really uh, already creating some magic. However, I'm still going to take you up on that wand. If there is <laughs> anything that I would change in the field of education to enhance, to inform, to get behind the science of reading, to do away with opinions and philosophies and beliefs, I would wave it across every Oh, <laughs> I would ensure that every teacher preparation program across the country at universities and colleges across the country began teaching the evidence behind the science of reading. It's there for us to teach and we must teach it. And that's what I'm so proud about uh, in Mississippi. I have I work with a cohort of about 20 professors. And guess what? They they get it. They get the science of reading. It just fabulous is that here I have university professors who say, Antonio, come in and let me watch you teach my students and let me learn from you. And then you come back, uh, let me teach and you provide me feedback. We need that magic wand to give us a complete revamping of our teacher prep programs across the country. And I think that my friends in Mississippi have said, you know what, we're not scared. We realize that we have a lot more to learn and we're here to learn. And I, I think that's, that says a lot. That says a lot. And we're, that's, that's the way all teacher prep programs should, be, should look. Yes, yeah, so and getting to the root of it, that magic wand, that Absolutely. is awesome. And starting yeah. in Mississippi, that's where it's happening now. We're going to keep our mm-hmm. eyes on Mississippi there, Antonio. We are. That magic wand is working there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. You're Antonio welcome. Fierro. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I uh, love it's your wonderful stories. This is Pam Austin, bringing the best thought leaders in education directly to you. This has been an EdView 360 podcast produced by Voyager Sopris Learning. For additional thought-provoking discussions, sign up for our blog, webinar, and podcast series at voyagersopris.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts to help other people like you find our show. 
Thank you.